day the impossible dream. But our scripture passage is from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. Before we read that, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Gracious and heavenly Father, the giver of all good blessings, Lord, who gave your spirit to guide and direct us in life, and through that spirit, Lord, inspired the words of Holy Scripture, Lord, that we might know your goodness, might know your love, and might know what your will is for us. But Father, we cannot understand these things you have written to us unless the same spirit that inspired these words would inspire us now. And so, Father, we pray that Holy Spirit move in our hearts and minds, illuminate us, that we may see, that we may read, that we may hear, and that we may understand. Bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. Listen now to the word of the Lord. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I always like when I run across a saying that seems to tell me something insightful about human behavior. And you've probably run across these sayings before. And I ran across one the other day. It was called Epstein's Law. Now, this has nothing to do with Jeffrey Epstein. This is another Epstein altogether. He was an economist, I believe. And this Epstein Law goes like this. People will always seek to satisfy themselves through the least effort possible. People will always seek to satisfy themselves through the least 
effort possible. And I think he's right. It makes a lot of sense. People will try to do things to satisfy themselves to accomplish something, not with the most effort, but always with the least effort. And it, it just makes, makes sense. I mean, if someone tells you, I can have you losing 20 pounds in two months, an hour a day. Or someone says, I can give you the exact same results for 30 minutes a day. I think we're going to always go for the 30-minute option besides the one-hour option. It just it makes sense. It's, it's being efficient. And there's part of us that, that's geared to be as efficient as possible. But there's times where this law of least possible effort can get us into a lot of trouble. Um, I experience it with my kids a lot in their grades. And trying to get them, trying to inspire them to do the best they can. Like, yeah, you made a C or a B, but if you put a little more effort, we can make an A. But in their minds uh, is, well, what's the lowest grade I can get and you leave me alone? Because <laughs> I'm going to do that. Just, just the bare minimum. I want to fly under the radar here. And, you know, and it's not kids that do it either. All right, adults, you do it too. I know you've done it at work or you've known someone at work that I'm going to do the least possible work to keep the boss off my back. You know, what's going to leave him, keep him out of my office and bothering me and telling me I'm doing something wrong? I just the bare minimum. Now, this can really get us into trouble when we start talking about our spiritual life. Because even in our spiritual life, in our duty to God, we operate under this principle of least possible effort. What's the bare minimum that I have to do to keep God happy? And we all do it. We all do it to, to some degree. We don't, we don't think, well, okay, what do I need to do to be the most righteous person possible? The best that I can be, the, the best disciple of Jesus that I can possibly be. A lot of times the thinking in our head is, what's, what's the bare minimum that God expects out of me? And, and we'll even ask to try to clarify things because we want to figure out what that, what that bare minimum is so we don't have to waste the effort of going any further than that. What, what does exactly God want me to do? And part of us is we want to make sure we're doing it right, but part of us is what does exactly God want me to do so I don't waste time doing any more than that. Let's, let's draw these lines real clear here so I know my responsibility is, and I know exactly where my responsibility cuts off, and I don't have to bother with this anymore. It's like with, with tithing. You know, people ask about tithing. All right, God asked me to give. You know, is that, is that 10%? Is that, is that gross or is that net? And if, and if I'm tithing the 10% of gross... Does that mean my giving obligation is done? Like, I've, I've, I've gotten the giving taken care of. I don't have to mess with that. When, when the United Way calls, I can hang up on them. Or, or when that guy's standing with the sign outside the exit on the interstate, I can just pretend like I don't see him. You know, don't make eye contact with him. Or, you know, maybe like we ask about, okay, when lust in your heart. What exactly is lusting in your heart? What does that mean? Can I still look at the swimsuit issue when that comes? The Sports Illustrated. What about just admiring a pretty girl? Is that, I mean, I just do that automatically. Is that okay? Can I just do that? Where is it where I'm lusting in my heart? What, what can I do? And what about gossip? Can we clarify gossip? Because 
what if we're talking and we're just concerned about somebody? Is it okay to talk about, talk about them then? Because, you know, my neighbor is having an affair and I'm just concerned for him and I just need to talk through this with somebody. Is that technically gossip? See, we're always looking to set boundaries on our righteousness. And then once we set this boundary, we can say, okay, after this, I'm good. I've done my duty to God. I've done what he's asked me to. Now, now I've got free time. I can just be my old regular self, just relax and let things happen. Well, Jesus, unfortunately, does not let us do this. Jesus, in his clarifying in the law of teaching us about the greater righteousness, he takes these boundaries we try to set and well, he blows them apart. He eradicates these boundaries completely. And we, and we see him doing it continuously through the gospel. There was the instance where a rich man comes to Jesus and he asks him, what exactly do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the law. You know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. He's like, okay, I've done that. Is there anything else I need to do? He wanted to know, have I done that now? Have I finished the requirement? Is my boundary of righteousness good? And now the rest of my life, I can take it easy. But Jesus, he doesn't let him get away with that. He says, okay, you only have one more thing left to do. God says, what is it? He's expecting maybe one more commandment, one more law. Jesus says, one more thing left to do. You have to sell all your belongings and come and follow me. Wait, wait, what? You must sell my belongings and come and follow you? That's not one more commandment. You're, you're asking everything. And, and, and Peter tried it once too. He um, said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive? Like, do I have to forgive the same person up to seven times for the same transgression? And what he, what he was asking is, what's the limit on my forgiveness? Do I have to forgive him seven? And so when he does it the eighth time, I don't have to forgive him anymore. I'm done. Jesus says, you got to forgive him 70 times seven. Wait, what? That's like everything. That's like forgiving forever. There's no limit on that at all. And if anybody is still under any illusions that they can put a boundary on their righteousness, what Jesus said here today in Luke just blows those boundaries away. So what Jesus said today is, you have to be like God. Wait, what? Be like God? It's impossible. But he says it. He says it in two different places in the Bible. He says it in Matthew. He says, you must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And today in Luke, he said, you have to be merciful just as your Father, as God, is merciful. And then he gives us these impossible examples to follow. Take your enemy, the, the person that you hate more than anybody else. I want you to love him or love her. Pray for those who abuse you. Take the, the person that is the, the worst to you, that does the worst things to you in your life. I want you to pray for that person. If someone strikes you on the cheek, I want you to turn the other cheek and offer it to him. If someone takes your cloak, give them your tunic. If someone takes your property, don't ask for it back again. 
wait, what? You want me to be like that? Yeah. I want you to be like God. Now, I want to take a minute just to clarify something for you. And I don't want you to be too hard on yourself when you hear this. Because I know there's a lot of you hearing this saying, no, I can't do that. This is way too difficult. And maybe this, this Christianity thing is not for me because there is no way I can fulfill that commandment. Well, I just want to tell you now, there's no Christian, I believe, that has not struggled with this command. I don't think there is a Christian, living or dead, that hasn't had a hard time with this commandment. So if you're feeling like it's too difficult and impossible, you're in good company. Believe me, we all feel this way about this command. It feels impossible, too difficult for me to do. And I don't think there has been a Christian ever, living or dead, that was so pious, that was so holy, that this came natural to them. Because, quite frankly, there's nothing natural about that. There is nothing natural about this command at all. I mean, he's asking us just to, to, get, to get slapped around and our clothes ripped off and our property stolen from us. I mean, how is that any way to live? What's, what's going to happen to us? We'll just be doormats on the world, crawling around on the sidewalk, naked and all beat up. I mean, what, he can't really expect us to live that kind of life. And here maybe another clarification is in order. When Jesus talks about us being struck on the cheek and having our cloak taken, he, he's not talking about injury so much as he is insult. But these in, instances are about insult and not about injury. Like uh, the striking on the cheek part, right? That's, he's not talking about somebody just wanting to punch you real hard or to beat you up or hit you with a rod or, or trying to injure or damage you. Um, in, in Matthew, we get a little clarity about this because he gives us a detail and says, if someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn to the other also. And in a right-handed culture, to strike somebody on the right cheek, you're going to have to backhand them. And we're talking about a slap here. We're talking about a, a backhand. And so a backhand is not a shot that you are giving somebody to, to cause damage or to hurt them. It's to insult them. It's a smack across the cheek, this, an, an insult. And Jesus is saying, someone insults you like that, don't give in to the pettiness. Give them the other cheek as well. And this whole thing about the cloak and the tunic, if someone takes your cloak, the, uh, the context of this is in a lawsuit. That if someone, and that's what he says in Matthew, if someone sues you for your cloak, give them your tunic also. And what's significant about that is two pieces of clothing you normally wore was a a cloak and underneath that a tunic and there was well there was nothing else you were wearing and if somebody's suing you for your cloak that means you've got nothing left to be sued for they are literally suing you for the clothes off of your back and if you have a cloak Jesus is saying don't give in to this little insult if they need to sue you for that go and give them that tunic as well and he is speaking a little bit of hyperbole. There's a little bit of exaggeration here to make the point about not giving in to provocation or insult. Not giving in to live a life of revenge or retribution. But here again, we have to be careful. 
Because once we start explaining this, that's when we start drawing the lines. Well, say once I've said this, now you're thinking, okay, okay, I've got it now. If somebody hits me for insult, I can't hit them back. But if they hit me for injury, now I can hit them back, right? Technically, yes, but that's not the point. That's not the point that Jesus is, is making here. The point is that you must be as merciful as God is merciful. You must be as righteous as God is righteous. Is it impossible? Yes, it's impossible. Are you going to fail at this? Yes, you are going to fail at this. So why would Jesus ask us to do these things that are impossible and that we will fail at for sure? One thing is if you only love your friends, that's great. I'm glad you love your friends, but you're just like everybody else. You're as good as any sinner out there in the world. And if you do good to those people who are nice to you, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you're nice to people that are nice to you. But you're just like every other sinner out there in the world as well because they're nice to people who are nice to them. The problem is God doesn't want you to be like everybody else. God wants you to be like him. God doesn't want you to take other human beings out there for your model of righteousness and behavior. He wants you to take him as your model for righteousness and behavior. And our God is generous to the undeserving. Our God is merciful to the petty jerks when they're doing their petty, jerky stuff. God is forgiving the people who don't deserve forgiveness that includes you and me. God loves the unlovable. People who are otherwise impossible to love. And that also includes you and me. For God did love us at our very worst. <clears throat> yeah. He wants us to be like that. And the most difficult part for me seems like there's no boundary. There's no, no boundary on that righteousness. There's no boundary on that love. No place where I can say, all right, I'm done, at least for today, being righteous and good and loving. There's no place in life where we can say our righteousness is finally done. There's no moment in our life where I can say that my duty to God is finally finished and I've gotten that part of my life taken care of. Is it an impossible task for us? Yeah, I think it is an impossible but otherwise, we would get this idea that we have done enough, that we're good enough, that we're worthy enough on our own, and we don't need to depend upon the grace of God anymore. There's no boundaries to being good. Just like there's no boundaries to God. There's no boundaries to the love that we need to show one another. Our duty lasts as long as we're here on earth, as long as we have breath in our lungs. As long as you are still here walking planet earth, your duty is to strive for the kingdom of God, to struggle with righteousness and sin, to fight the good fight of faith until the day comes when your Lord calls you home. 
There is no end to goodness. Just like there is no end to love. There is no place or time where we can say, here it stops. Or here, this is enough. There's no situation or no person that our righteousness or our love doesn't apply to. There is no person we can say, well, for this person, I don't have to be loving towards them. There's no situation we can say, well, yeah, but here, here, I don't have to be loving and good and righteousness. This is a law that always applies. It is always the time for us to be the good children of God. Love is what we owe everyone, not just the people we like. Love is how we act all the time in all situations, not just the happy ones and not just the pleasant ones. Is this an impossible dream for us? Yes, it is. But luckily, we serve an impossible God. Luckily, we serve a God of the incredible, a God of the uncanny. We serve a God of miracles. And it just might be that God's finest, most impossible miracle is that he takes broken, selfish, and sinful people like you and me and he gives us the heart to do the impossible. Maybe God's greatest miracle is he takes people like us and turns us into people who can do something as unlikely, something as foolish, something as impossible as loving our enemies. The miracle of taking human beings and making us exactly like him. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.